If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. It's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Episode 280. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Let us tell you about our COVID testing experience. <laughs> that was fun. It certainly was. We, uh, we got off an airplane, as you may recall from our last episode. Uh, and being the responsible adults that we are, we thought we would go and get a COVID test before we exposed other people in our lives to us, <laughs> <laughs> which is really a good plan whether there's a pandemic or not. Right. Um, so we did some research and the place that was doing same day tests with same day results before we left for our trip was no longer offering that. Right. And we needed to get the results that day. So we did a bunch of research and some places were offering same day results, but we couldn't get appointments for like three days. Which is kind of counterproductive. Some places we couldn't get appointments for like three days. And some days we could, some places we could get appointments that day, but wouldn't get the results for three days. Right. Did I already say that? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Anyway, the fastest results slash appointment situation that we found was we could get an appointment at a Walgreens for the next morning that would offer same day results. Unfortunately, it was uh, pretty much in Canada. (laughs) It's a border town called Callis, Maine, and it's about two, two and a half hour drive from where we are. Mm. Uh, and it is. It's right on the Canadian border. There's like 20 feet separating Callis and St. Stephen, New Brunswick. Um, so we we headed out. We decided this is what we're doing. We made a road trip of it. We decided we were going to approach this obstacle with a smile. And we were like, "Whoa, we're going to get coffee and we're going to hit the road and it's going to be great. And so we left the house at 7 a.m. and we hauled ass to Callis. And we get to about 10 miles outside of Callis and there was like some sort of a uh, the road was closed. It was a fire truck blocking the road. So I'm guessing I'm guessing it was some sort of an emergency. And they rerouted us. It took us to Machias, which was uh, 20 miles from the place that we were rerouted. Um, and then from Machias, it was another 45 miles back to Callis. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, yeah, there may have been emergency because there was a fire truck across the road. But there was also a man on a Razor scooter. So I don't understand what kind of emergency also required. <laughs> a fireman be on a Razor scooter. Yeah, that was the first time I've ever seen that. I didn't realize Razor scooters were part of uh, standard issue equipment for paramedics. <laughs> Either way, it took us a really long time to get there. and we, But we got there. We were a little bit late. They were very nice and, and allowed us to swab our nose holes. And, and, and we were on our way, not before hitting up a Tim Hortons, of course. Which is a uh, donut shop. For those of you who aren't familiar with Tim Hortons. So basically what we're saying is that we got our nose hole swabbed on the Canadian border. And I drove for six hours yesterday and we don't have COVID. Which is nice. Yay. No COVID for us. I got one of those new donuts with all that cream stuff on top. It was great. 
You go first. Oh, okay. Well, just whoa, that was that was a fast transition. I was talking about donuts. And now <laughs> Sorry. You're... Yeah, get your mind off the fresh baked goods. Ooh, just it was really the, good for a moment. I'm just saying, <laughs> it was like a truff, chocolate truffle dream donut. I think is what it was called. It was magical. Welcome to Donut Talk, a new podcast from the Box of Oddities. <laughs> The thing is, I don't normally like donuts. I know. And I, I know, so honey. when I find a donut that is delicious, uh-huh. it it just blows my mind. <laughs> Do you remember the size of those donuts yeah, we those saw were, at Disney? Yeah, those, those were huge. Huge donuts, those yeah. Those were huge donuts. Uh-huh. Those were big. Those are big donuts. Those were big. Woo! So what you got for me? <laughs> All right. Angela Hernandez was driving from Portland, Oregon to Lancaster, California. It was July 2018. Angela was 23 years old and driving her 2011 Jeep Patriot to visit her sister, Isabel Hernandez. Those are cute little cars. The Jeep Patriots. Yeah. Isn't that the same vehicle that Miranda Gordon drove on Ghost Whisperer? Pretty sure. (laughs) I don't know the answer to that. Okay. It looks like this is about a 900-mile trip, maybe 14 hours, depending on how you travel. And at some point during her trek, she stopped communicating with her family. And they said that it wasn't like her to suddenly stop texting and calling. And, of course, her sister was expecting her. So um, she reached out to police. Investigators from Oregon and California eventually started searching for clues to her apparent disappearance. The search was initially launched in San Mateo County. Her family said that she'd stopped in Davenport, just north of Santa Cruz, on the morning of July 6th, and that was the last time that they heard from her. So police start looking into the situation, and they found that she was seen on surveillance July 6th, driving the Jeep down Highway 1 in the Big Sur area. So Big Sur is a region on the central coast of California, which contains a lot of wilderness and beautiful views out onto the Pacific, basically. It stretches 90 miles along the Pacific Ocean. It's really rugged terrain, and uh, the roads are pretty windy and curvy and such. Pacific Coast Highway. I recognized the term Big Sur, Mm -hmm. but as soon as I read it, I knew that I didn't actually know what that (laughs) meant. I was like, okay, that's like a a part of California, but I didn't know what 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 that meant and so it's it's basically just a chunk of that coast that's really rocky and it has that that pretty highway uh that's very scenic and has those sheared cliffs onto the ocean according to the sheriff they started looking for hernandez in big sur on wednesday July 11, after tracking her phone to Big Sur. The sheriff's office conducted a ground search, uh, but aerial searches were limited because there was a ton of fog at that time. On Friday, the search continued with the help of California Highway Patrol, the Air National Guard, and the U.S. Forest Service and volunteers with the Monterey County Sheriff's Office. They had search parties who were canvassing Highway 1, and Isabel Hernandez had started a GoFundMe account to help with the expenses of the search for her sister. Of course, by this time, her sister went missing on the 6th. By the 11th, she's freaking out. You know, you can't even imagine what that's like when just your sister just disappears. And... So uh, it turns out they were closer to her than they realized. Back to July 6th, Angela is driving along this curvy, scenic Highway 1 when a small animal darted out in front of her Jeep and she swerved to avoid hitting it. She crashed through a rock barrier and her car plunged off the highway down a cliff Oh my God. Near what's called the Kirk Creek Campground at the south end of Pfeiffer Big Sur State Park. And those Jeep Patriots aren't very big. They're not. No. They're cute, but I'm guessing they probably don't withstand a, a plunge from a cliff. That's right. Yeah. Angela lost consciousness, and when she came to, she was trapped in her SUV in the Pacific Ocean. 
In the ocean? In the ocean. She felt water rising up over her knees. Uh, she, Her head was pounding and there was blood all over. Uh, she unbuckled her seatbelt and noticed that the water level was rising, but she could see, like, land. So she wasn't able to get out her door. The windows weren't going down because the power had gone out in her car. Okay, so she is still floating. Yep. But slowly sinking. Yep. Oh, my God. Um, She did have, though, one of those emergency tools in her car. So she began slamming against the driver's side window. Every part of her hurt from having just plunged off a cliff, she was able to break the window. She got out into the water and swam until she got to the beach. Every once in a while when I'm at like a, an auto parts store, I'll see one of those emergency uh, tools to yeah. break the windshield to get out. And I think I really should get one of those one of these days. It's a great stocking stuffer for those you love and don't want to see drown. The thing is, I hate spending money on something that I'm only going to use if I'm probably going to die. <laughs> That's why insurance is so rough. I hate insurance. I know. I know it. So... <laughs> Uh, well, good on her for having that tool. Right? I would like to get one. Um, and I still need to get a new cat jammy punchy keychain thing. Spiky knuckle. Spiky knuckle thing, thing yeah. because they took mine away at the airport. So once she got to shore, she passed out. She has no idea for how long. But it was a pretty harrowing experience. So you can imagine she was probably a little tuckered. Now, you said that she could see land from where she was. Right. Was there any indication on how far she had to swim to get to land? I don't think it was terribly far. Okay. No. Um, she hadn't drifted out to sea. No. Like Shannon. No, she was fine. Um, so when she woke up, obviously she was in a tremendous amount of pain. She said that she could see nothing but beach, ocean, and cliff. The car had actually washed back up onto the shore. It was terribly mangled, uh, and it wasn't too far from her. But she wasn't able to get back inside of it. All the doors were crushed and crumpled. Uh And so even though um, she knew that there were some things inside that might be able to help her, uh, she couldn't get back inside. Also, the sand was incredibly hot, and she didn't have shoes on. Oh, no. So she had socks, but they were pretty banged up at this point and the sand was prickly and hot and so she just kind of stepped on the the rocks as she searched the shore for help soon though she discovered that there really was no way out and no way up not to mention she's terribly injured don't don't tell me the tide was coming in too well it does yeah but oh god She recalled that she had a gallon of water inside her car, but again, she couldn't get inside of it, which must have been terribly frustrating. And as she was making her way along this part of beach, she realized that at certain points, at higher points, she could see up at the top of the cliff and she could see cars going by. Oh, my God. So it's like the universe is taunting her. Yeah. So she started screaming you know, for help and waving her arms and doing anything she could think to do that would attract attention. And nobody saw her. Nobody heard her. And this went on for days. This is what she did. She would walk to spots where she could see people, climb rocks. And then uh, when her feet got too hot, she'd return to the water. She'd go back to the places where she could see people scream, wave her arms around, whatever. And then at night, she'd find a spot where the water didn't rise up to. Usually it was sleeping between rocks. Nothing to eat. Nothing to eat. Nothing to drink. Nothing to drink. And days go by. My God. By the fourth day, Hernandez began feeling the effects of dehydration. She returned back to the SUV and again tried to get inside to no use. She found a 10-inch black radiator hose that had broken off during the crash and took it with her. She was thinking maybe she could find some use for it. Eventually, she spotted a large patch of moss on the side of the cliff and water was trickling from it. So she was thrilled to discover that it was a natural spring and there was some fresh water trickling from between the rocks. 
She said she spent about an hour drinking from that spring. And then that became her daily ritual. She would use her radiator hose as a little straw and drink fresh water from between the rocks. She would go to high points on this part of beach and try to attract attention. She would rest her burning feet in the ocean when she needed to. And then she'd sleep in between rocks to try to avoid drowning. Again, she's screaming at help from passing motorists. She's able to see them, but they aren't able to see her. And that must be like the most frustrating, depressing, lonely feeling in the world. And songs would repeatedly get stuck in her head. Oh, no. I know. Like Payphone by Maroon 5? Like that. Oh, God. Yes, I know. (laughs) That got stuck in my head for three days once. She said... Thoughts would creep in and out. What food would she eat when she was found? What would the person who found her look like? Meanwhile, up on top, people are just driving by like normal. No big deal. And heavy fog made it more difficult for responders and rescuers to discover what had gone on. Nobody is able to see her wreckage from the road. Nobody is able to see that there was a spot of this rock wall that had been driven through. It, Because of the nature of this road, it was just a really difficult situation to resolve. So Friday morning, seven days goes by. It's the 13th of July, and Chelsea and Chad Moore were going to go surfing, but they got out to the water and they realized that the waves weren't so great. So they decided to do something different, which was outside of what they normally did, and certainly outside of what they intended to do that day. They were going to explore a remote beach to find a fishing spot. Using ropes, the couple climbed down to a little-known and pretty treacherous path, and they walked for about an hour or so along the beach. This is according to Mercury News. Around 5 p.m., the Moors found a bumper in the sand. They walked around a bend and saw this incredibly damaged SUV. They didn't know about this accident. They didn't know that a girl was missing, but they took the license plate from the Jeep so that they could report it to authorities because it's still, it's a weird thing to come across this damaged SUV on the beach. They continued walking up the beach, collecting items that had spilled from the car during the crash. And that's when they saw Angela coming out from between some rocks. Wow. She must've thought she was hallucinating by this point. Angela said, when I sat up, I saw a woman walking across the shore. I thought it was a dream. I had had a few just like that over the past few days. Chad Moore reportedly said she looked like hell coming out of the rocks, but happy at the same time. She was happy to see us, and we asked her, were you in that Jeep? And she said, yes, that was my Jeep. It blew my mind to think that the person that we were looking at had been in that Jeep that we knew no one could have gotten out of. Now, did she have any idea how much time had gone by? Was she marking the days? She, I mean, she had a general idea, Mm. but she, like, in the instances where she slept, she had no idea how long she'd slept for. She Mm. didn't know how long she was unconscious for right right after the accident. So she had a vague idea. But Chad and Chelsea knew that the situation was pretty dire, so... Chad stayed with Angela, and Chelsea ran as quickly as she could to go get help. She found the trail that they had come down, and Chad stayed with her and gave her the water that they had. They had some snacks on them, you know, so they sure. they were just They're, like, here, eat this. You're responsible hikers. Right. First responders roped down to Hernandez and then hauled her back up from the beach. She was transported via helicopter to a hospital and treated for her injuries. Angela's Jeep had plummeted about 25 stories. What? She suffered... Wait, 25 stories? 25 stories. Whoa. She suffered a brain hemorrhage, broken ribs, a broken collarbone, ruptured blood vessels in both eyes, and had suffered severe sunburn on her hands and feet and face. She survived for seven days without food and just by drinking the water that came from 
between those rocks in the cliff. Through a radiator hose. Through a radiator hose. Not long after she was rescued and had received some initial medical treatment, she posted on Facebook, (laughs) because that's what you do. Mm -hmm. Um, As I said, her sister had set up a GoFundMe for her rescue, and that now became a GoFundMe for her medical expenses. And so she wanted to share and say thank you to everyone who had so far assisted Um, At the end of her post, she wrote, I'm sitting here in the hospital laughing with my sister until she makes my broken bones hurt. I've met some of the most beautiful human beings that I think I'll ever meet in my entire life. I've experienced something so unique and so terrifying that I can't imagine that there isn't a bigger purpose for me in this life. I don't know, you guys. Life is incredible. Well, that is a real testament to the human spirit. And I can kind of relate to that, having been detoured on the way down to get our, <laughs> our COVID um, test, having to go 65 miles out of our way. We had to really press through, you and me. And well, like three I'm, times I was like, I can't imagine how, you know, 15 years ago me would be reacting to this because 15 years ago me was so poor. There's no way I would have had enough gas to get through <laughs> that detour. And the the being close to empty, you know, a gas tank sure. makes me so nervous. And that feeling of like, you know, how, well, it's, it's I don't true. think if you haven't been in rural Maine, I don't think you can know the fear of being lost in rural <laughs> Maine. <laughs> Yeah. If you've ever seen Deliverance, you might get a little bit of an idea. Well, I mean, it's not like that, but yeah, no. Um, This is obviously um, an incredible situation. And watching the press conferences that the authorities did after her rescue, one of the police officers was standing up there and you could tell he was just blown away. He's like, I don't understand how this woman lived. Mm. And I don't think that many others would have, but she was strong and she knew that she was here for a reason. And that's just, it just, I don't know. I just thought her story was really neat. It certainly does put things in in perspective. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah. 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 um, It's a great story. Thank you. I wanted to let you know that I got most of my news from uh, ksbw.com. San Luis Obispo, uh, Mercury News, and the Washington Post. And Angela Hernandez. I am I'm blown away. I'm blown away. And now, that thing in the middle. Charles Byron is the most famous giant in Irish history, standing seven foot, seven inches tall. Byron was terrified that his body would be put on display after he died, and he begged to be buried at sea. He wanted weights on his coffin so that no one would bring his body up to the surface. When he died, his corpse was stolen by his former housemate. He was dissected and his skeleton was put on display. It can still be seen today at the Hunterian Museum at the Royal College of Surgeons in England. Of the Box of Oddities listeners who listen to no other podcasts, they rate this one as their favorite. This is the Box of Oddities. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, If you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something, if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. 
What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? <sighs> Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parenting kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids and they live about 3,000 miles away and my daughter is expecting a child and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout and you will save. Thanks Aura Frames for bringing my family a little bit closer. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Support for The Box of Oddities is provided in part by listeners like you on Patreon. You can support us too. Go to patreon.com slash boxofoddities. Thank you. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. Jay Nordy sent us a message. They wrote, I came to your podcast by way of time suck. I'm an OG lizard. Oh, uh, Dan Cummins. But uh, they said that they've been really enjoying the podcast from episode one, which I think is the way yeah, that is appropriate. But, you know, to each their own. <laughs> They said, it's very interesting to listen to you all. You just took a trip to Ecuador and you've made a comment about the president in the future and little things that you say. I don't know uh, what it is exactly, but I know what's coming in 2020, but you two don't know what's coming. <laughs> I'm listening in 2018 and it's so fascinating. It's like a mini time capsule I'm listening to. Thanks you both so much. I don't know what your pod looks like in the future, but if you do, give me a shout out on the next episode and I'll hear it in months or maybe next year. All right. Hey, Jay Norty of the past, of the future. I guess, no, it would be the future, wouldn't it? Hi, Jay Norty of the future, because by the time you listen to it, mm -hmm. it'll be your future, but it'll be our past. Well, it it will, but it'll also be our future and their past. Right, but the minute that we're capturing this right now, that's it's their his, past. It's no, it's his future. It's our well, past. In the, our past is is their future. God, I can't keep it all straight. <sighs> anyway, thanks, Jay Norty. Thank you. Can't wait to go back to Ecuador. Oh, speaking of which, two Lyft drivers 
Two of them told me that I was very good at speaking Spanish. Yeah. Neither of those drivers spoke Spanish themselves, though. So. Uh, you know what? I don't appreciate <laughs> this attitude. No, it's attitude. true. I was so proud of Kat. Honest to God, I was. We had a, a driver from Venezuela and another one from Ecuador, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, they both complimented you on your Spanish speaking. Well, the the one that had like the the pimped out ride, he was from the Dominican Republic. Oh, that's right. He was from the Dominican. Yeah. Anyway, I w I couldn't have been more proud of Cat. Meanwhile, I'm looking up phrases on my phone so I can join in the conversation. <laughs> I, I can mostly talk about food, so don't get too proud, but yeah. How do you say donut in Spanish? Ooh, I think it's donut. Mm. Yeah. So you know how the uh, pyramids in Egypt are lined up uh, to look like Orion's belt, the constellation Orion? I have heard that that is a theory that it, is yeah. a thing. Yeah, it's called the Orion correlation theory. Yeah, yeah. This is how it goes. According to Wikipedia... The theory states that there is a correlation between the location of the three largest pyramids uh, of the Giza pyramid complex and Orion's belt in the constellation Orion. The universe is on Orion's belt. And that this correlation was intended as such by the original builders of the Giza pyramid complex. Egger. The uh, stars of Orion were associated with Osiris, the god of rebirth and afterlife mm -hmm. in the uh, ancient Egyptian lore. Now, depending upon the version of this theory, additional pyramids can be included uh, to complete the picture of the Orion constellation. And the Nile River can be included to match the Milky Way. The uh -huh. theory was first published in 1989 in Discussions of Egyptology, Volume 13. It was the subject of a bestseller, The Orion Mystery, which I've read. Well, I looked at the pictures. In 1994 is when that came out. Also, a BBC documentary, The Great Pyramid Gateway to the Stars from the early 90s, uh, includes some information on uh, this theory as well. I'm sorry. The uh, the publication that you said it initially showed up in, like volume whatever it is. Yeah, 13. Um, it reminds me a lot of those poetry books that you can like buy the poetry book and they'll put your poem in it you know it's just like poems and poetry volume 362 i remember one of my poems when i was in high school was accepted for the poetry book oh, yeah it? i bought it how much did it cost you? it was 65 dollars, and i was so excited because i didn't understand uh that i drove to where i knew my dad was working that day mm -hmm. he was um helping a friend out with some siding and i pulled into this stranger's yard and i went out and i was like dad my poem got accepted for a book and he just kind of looked at me like oh that's that's good that's um that's real good sweetie okay <laughs> so anyway uh the orion correlation theory was put forward by robert bovel Author Graham Hancock, who wrote Keeper of Genesis in 1996, um, and, and other, many other publications. I've read a couple of his books as well, too. He agrees that uh, it, it is very possible that the arrangement of the pyramids are intended to mirror those of the stars of Orion's belt. But what's interesting is that in order for them to match up perfectly, mm -hmm. you have to run the clock back about 10,000 B.C., Okay. So they're not exact as it stands now. Well, of course. But in 10,000 BC, they were dead on, a dead on alignment. But. It... And that, of course, is way earlier than uh, the first officially known dynasty of Egypt. So what's the, the theory there? The aliens? Yeah, well, that's what he says. <laughs> no, no, actually, he subscribes more to the um, early advanced civilization theory. Not necessarily aliens, but that we as a people had reached a level of advanced technological achievement in mm -hmm. the past and then either were wiped out by a natural disaster, right. a la Atlantis, or we destroyed ourselves, a la Atlantis. Or all of our information was burned up, a la the Library of, of Alexander. Alexandra. Now, okay, so the pyramids, the the first one that we have that we know of that, that stands today was built approximately when? Well, those three main pyramids in the, in the Giza area 
it's generally thought to be about uh, built about 2500 BC, so 4500 years ago, okay. give or take. So, um, okay, so thoughts. Um, maybe there were older pyramids that worked into this constellation shape that are don't longer that no longer exist. Could be that were built approximately 10,000 years ago. Maybe. Um, maybe the methods that they were using to view the solar system at the time, you know, obviously they were seeing solar system that didn't exist then either because mm-hmm, time mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and space only allows us to see the past in space. Right, because the speed of light is constant. Right. It is interesting to think that if this theory is true and they built the pyramids 10,000 years ago based on what they were seeing in the sky... Mm. They were actually seeing the way Orion looked 1,500 years earlier because the Orion constellation is 1,500 light years away. So that would mean that they would have only had to have built the pyramids or or planned this Orion's belt business mm-hmm. about 8,500 years B.C. I'm confused. I, I'm not sure. I think it might go the other way. Yeah? Yeah. If they build it in the year, if they build it ten thousand years ago, but they were seeing what it looked like eleven thousand five hundred years uh-huh. ago, right? Yeah. So, so is that is what this information that you're reading saying that the universe looked that way ten thousand years ago, or that's the way that the universe would have looked to those observing the universe ten thousand years ago? <laughs> to those observing. <sighs> Yeah, I know. Are we sure? Uh, <laughs> no. After that conversation, I'm not sure about I'm much. I'm very tired yeah. now. <laughs> uh, the three pyramids were built. It's it's like a terrestrial map of the three stars of the Orion of, of Orion's belt. And later in this theory, he joined with speculation about the age of the Sphinx. Now, we've watched a number of documentaries about this. According to these works, the Great Sphinx was constructed 10,500 B.C. Now. B.C. That I can get on board with because you and I both agree that the Sphinx does not exist in the same form now right. than it did initially. Right. That head's too small. The head's too small. It was obviously carved from an earlier uh, statue. Most people think that if that's true, it would be a lion, which uh, is a definite reference to the constellation of Leo. Mm. Furthermore, the orientation and dispositions of the Sphinx the Giza pyramids and the Nile River relative to one another on the ground is put forward as an accurate reflection or, quote, map of the constellations of Leo, Orion, specifically Orion's belt, and the Milky Way, respectively. And as Graham Hancock put it in his book, The Mars Mystery, quote, we have demonstrated with substantial with a substantial body of evidence that the pattern of stars that is frozen on the ground at Giza in the form of the three pyramids in the Sphinx represents the disposition of the constellations of Orion and Leo as they looked at the moment of sunrise on the spring equinox during the astrological age of Leo. Like all processional ages, this was a 2,160-year period. It was generally calculated to have fallen between the Gregorian calendar dates of 10,970 and 8810 BC. So this theory is saying that the pyramids and the Sphinx were built about the same time, 12,500 years ago, which, as I have mentioned in a number of uh, previous podcasts, that is also the time period that many think that uh, the Great Flood took place, mm-hmm. whether you call it Atlantis or Noah's Flood or w- whatever you want to call it. There is evidence that there was a major flooding disaster recorded in the geological record that dates back to 12,500 years. Now, we were watching a documentary not long ago about the Sphinx, and they were talking about how the uh, the head of the Sphinx, as it looks today, is it represents a likeness of the King Khafra. Mm-hmm. And he's often credited with building the Sphinx and one of the Great Pyramids. But that's like highly debated. It's highly debated. For many reasons. But uh, one of those reasons is because the uh, pathway leading to his tomb isn't straight as they tend to be in right. in those the tombs slash pyramids. Um, it has to be diverted because of the Sphinx location. And so they think that it doesn't make any sense that they would have built these both at the same time and, and not taken into account that the pathway couldn't go straight. When you're looking at the preciseness in which the pyramids built, it doesn't make any sense. 
Geologist Robert M. Skoke has a theory that uh, might support the idea that the Sphinx is far older than uh, what we had initially thought. Like even older than, than Khufu? Yes. And he argues that the effects of water erosion on the Sphinx and its surrounding enclosure mean that parts of the monument must originally have been carved at the latest between seven and 5,000 BC. Others suggest the date goes back even further. That's based on the, uh, the type of erosion, water erosion that has uh, occurred on the Sphinx. It could only have happened if there was consistent torrential downpour. And the last time that that area was in a climate zone that would provide that type of precipitation was about 10,500 BC. But then we also learned that the portion of space where the Sphinx is built might have been used as some sort of like water retainer yeah. area. I mean, so that would have caused some erosion. Maybe. I mean, it wouldn't have been coming from above. So I guess that depends on exactly how it was eroded. I mean, if you're saying it had to have been from a torrential downpour and not necessarily from water splashing around the base of it, fine. Yeah, no, but that's what they're saying is that as an example, if you let's say you make a model of the Sphinx and you make it out of uh, sand. Okay. Okay. And then you hold a bucket of water over it and you pour water over it, the erosion is going to be top to bottom. Mm -hmm. It's going to be vertical. I mean, yeah. And that's the patterns that they're seeing suggesting that it was torrential okay. downfall. It, it wasn't round about the bottom, splish splashy kind no, of erosion. No, All right. Mm -hmm. I'm just making sure that we're not making assumptions based on someone said erosion and that means rain shower. Like that. I'm just making sure. Yeah. No. And they also ruled out that. Because it, it's not unlike people who try to make their theories make sense to just be super vague about things and just expect you to go along with it. I'm just saying question shit. <laughs> they also ruled out that it was uh, windborne sand. It wouldn't have matched the patterns that uh, would have been caused by wind windborne sand. But here's where it gets really interesting. This comes from cool, interesting stuff. It's not just the pyramids in Egypt. If you look at aerial views of the Great Pyramids in China and the Great Pyramids in Mexico, and you will see that they are built in the same design. These are separated by thousands of miles of land and ocean. Ancient civilizations who never had contact with each other managed to design, engineer, and build these fascinating structures that coincidentally match the star alignment of Orion's belt. And again, from cool, interesting stuff, additionally, the larger of the three pyramids in Mexico has exactly the same size base, 750 by 750 square feet. And it is exactly half the height of the largest pyramid in Egypt. That's pretty weird. And to top it off, each of these locations, these three different locations, are positioned in a near perfect line with each other across the globe. Oh, well, like on the same latitude? Yes. Wait, long... Latitude. Latitude. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So this theory, it's long been unconfirmed that the pyramids were built in line with Orion's belt, has been recently confirmed by the Ministry of Antiquities. The theory says that the three Giza pyramids have been built to align with the three bright stars of Orion's belt. So you have that. Now let's talk about the photos of the alleged Cydonia pyramids on Mars. I'm sorry, can I just take a moment and point out how you, like, what your face did when you said that just now? It was like, on Mars! <laughs> you were like, I'm blowing your mind, aren't I? Yeah. In some NASA photos, there appear to be not three, but four pyramid-like structures, three of which match the Orion Belt configuration almost perfectly. Now, there's a fourth one. That is true. Sure. And I mean, wouldn't the constellations, I mean, I guess I don't know the answer to this. Wouldn't the constellations look different from Mars? Not noticeably. No? No. It's okay. so far away, it wouldn't be I that. I suppose. According to Above Top Secret website, what are the odds against two terrestrial-like monuments on such an alien planet and in essentially the same location? It seems to have been built in such a way that the inhabitants would have enjoyed a perfect 
almost ceremonial view of the face on Mars. It's right in the same area. Oh. Now I'm going to leave that there. You can just kind of do what you want with that. Sure, thank you. Now, there is a NASA photo that was allegedly leaked of the lunar surface taken by the Hubble telescope. It shows clearly, not three, not four, but one, a pyramid on the surface of the moon. Now, this what makes this unique is, is the fact that it was taken by the Hubble telescope. So it's a pretty high-res picture. It's not a fuzzy pyramid-like photo, similar to the ones taken on the Martian surface. Okay. But there is no doubt that this structure is a perfect pyramid that could only be an artificial structure. There's no doubt. So the question is not, is it a pyramid? It is. The question really becomes, is this a real NASA photo that was leaked, or is it a fake? This we do not know yet. What we do know is the image itself clearly portrays an unnaturally perfect pyramid casting a long shadow into the moon's gray surface. The angles and the lines of the pyramid are absolutely perfect, far too perfect to be an accident of nature. Yes, I'm sure that uh, just about anybody could probably fake that and Photoshop it, but the detail is is quite remarkable. Even like the angle of the shadows. I mean, everything, it looks, it's a very convincing photograph. So what I'm saying is we are the spawn of ancient aliens. In summary, (laughs) come here, I got a picture to show you. Is it of the pyramid? Yeah. Oh, I've seen it. Not this. Oh, okay. It's the comparison of the China, Mexico, and Egyptian pyramids with the constellation of Orion's belt. Oh, okay. China. Mexico, Egypt, Orion. Okay, so there's three things, and when you look at them from a certain angle, they look like they're pretty much lined up. Yeah, yeah, that's my point. I um, I think that's really fascinating. And I love the concept that there might have been, um, even if it wasn't like some sort of extreme intelligence that we had that was then lost, a la Atlantis. <laughs> Maybe there was some sort of system of communication that we don't know that we had, because there do seem to be a lot of uh, quinky dinks, let's say. Oh, God, let's not say. No, never say that again. Um, You know, like this pyramid uh, that happens to be at this incredible altitude happens to resemble this pyramid that happens to be at the same altitude. You know, there's certain... uh, Latitude, you mean? No, I meant altitude, but because I was thinking of the flood and things that were still popping up out of the water and, you know, but I mean, just there do seem to be instances of similarities that similarities in structures and civilizations, even in in the ways that people communicate and dress and such that don't seem to make a lot of sense considering the geographical locations in addition to that they have found skeletal remains in um, south america Mm. that date back uh, like i don't know two three thousand years and the dna matches dna taken from similar relics in europe yeah so how did that happen unlikely that there wouldn't have been some sort of way for communication to happen even if it wasn't like an all the time open freeway of discussion there it looks like it would be impossible for there not to have been instances of Mm. shared information so we got pyramids on on earth we can all agree to that of course um (laughs) there there seems to be something pyramidish on uh mars also on the moon now it reminds me of 2001 a space odyssey where they find the monolith our ancient ancestors mm-hmm. find the monolith on Earth, and that sparks some sort of intellectual evolution. And then later, they find one, an exact replica of it, on the moon. And then they speculate that there's one on Saturn. So I'm wondering if it's like that. These are like little calling cards that have been left for us. Mm. Or it could just be a trick of light and shadow. Who the fuck knows? So anyway, pyramids are real. I don't think anyone's debating (laughs) that. Uh, Way to make a stand, though. I appreciate that. (laughs) You want to wrap up by talking about what we might do tomorrow? (sighs) Okay. 
Okay. Yes. But, okay. But let's stay chill. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. So tomorrow we are going to meet a pup who needs a home. And what that means, I don't know yet, but. We're taking Banjo with us. Yep. We're going to, we're going to meet and we're going to see how our interaction goes and we're not going to put too much no, pressure no. on ourselves or on little pup, but yeah. he is the cutest thing you've ever seen. He's so small and so fluffy and <laughs> he's, he's, oh, God, he's so cute. He's 10 years old too. He's 10. Why somebody would just abandon, because he was found stray. Yeah. Why somebody would just abandon their dog at 10 is blows my mind. Well, um, the description that I read said that he had um, severe kidney stones uh, because he wasn't on the, the right diet. So I'm guessing he was probably incontinent and because of these kidney stones and someone had just about enough of that. And mm. so they... So um, we are going to meet him, and we are very excited about meeting him and we'll, seeing how that goes. We'll let you know how things progress. You know we will. And that'll probably be... As soon as we leave the shelter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or at the latest, the next time that uh, you join us here. And we look forward to that. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. And fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you. To provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. history but hate when it's stuffy and boring well look no further and join me katie charlwood your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books as i delve into unsolved historical mysteries murders by gaslight and of course women who have been misrepresented through all time on who did what now the history podcast that's not your history class listen wherever you get your podcasts hi i'm neil and i'm ken and we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.